Well, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 18 uh, again this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. All the time He is good. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because the see things which are seen are temporal or temporary. In other words, uh, literally that word there means that they are subject to change. So if we look at the things that are seen, and that's all we're looking at, we're looking at things that are subject to change, which means they can be changed, but also means they will change, right? One of the things I love about the Lord is um, with Him there is no variableness or shadow of turning, right? God is faithful, and He is always faithful, and He will always be the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. Right? And one of the reasons I think that that's so satisfying to us is things in the world change. And, you know, I look different now than I did when I was five years old. My hair used to be like cotton white, right? And now, uh, you know, it's getting darker and darker. And, um, you know, maybe it'll start getting lighter and lighter again at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, things change. And your body changes, and I'm a lot taller now than I used to be. My kids now, they're always, they love for me to pick them up, and they want to see the world from the perspective of height that I have in the natural, right? Well, those things will change, and, you know, probably many of my children will be taller than me. And so uh, that'll change, that I'm looking down on them. I'll look straight across at them, and then I'll be looking up at them. And so uh, we don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. Well, how do you do that? You do that with what's called the eye of faith. What does that mean? Well, that means you live by what you believe, not just what you see. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe. In other words, my decisions are based on what I believe, right? Uh, in, in Romans chapter 4, Paul talked about staggering not at the promise of God uh, through unbelief. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Right? What does that mean? Well, I think one of the things it means is he encouraged himself. He said, wait a second, God promised this, even though every evidence in the natural, in other words, when I look at my wife's body, when she looks at her body, when I look at my body, when she looks at my body, we're like, this is not possible to have a child. This is too late. Ship has sailed and we are not on it. Right? But they said, wait a second, God has spoken. It says uh, in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham believed according to that which was spoken. So shall you be. I have made you the father of many nations. And so he actually believed according to what was spoken, not according to what he could see with his physical eye or according to evidence that his natural senses could provide for him. He believed beyond the evidence that his natural senses could provide. And so, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because the see things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, we talked about this a little bit last week, and so I just wanted to continue on with it. Uh, over in Numbers chapter 21, verse 8 and 9, we, we read about Moses uh, making a serpent when they were being bit by the serpents, that Ma Moses made a serpent and lifted it up on a pole. And this week I'm going to read um, verse 8 and 9 from the Amplified Translation because I think it just really amplifies. You know, it illustrates it. Uh, verse 8 and of Numbers chapter 21. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And of course this is a type an example of vivid illustration from God of what was to happen to Christ, right? And we, we learn that um, in, the, in uh, John chapter 3, uh, there's a reflection of this. But in the Amplified, And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze, 
uh, attentively, expectantly, with an absorbing gaze, he lived. Let me read that again. Attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, then he lived. And so Moses held up that serpent, which was like a type of Christ. And when he did that, uh, they were to look attentively, expectantly, and with a steady and absorbing gaze. Well, what does that make you think of in the New Testament? I don't know about you, but it makes me think of um, Peter walking on the water. You know, when he said, Lord, if that's you, you just ask me, tell me to come out on the water. Well, why did he say that? Because at his word, you can act and the power of God will, be go, will go beyond your natural understanding and the natural forces that are at work and a miracle will show up in your life. So in other words, at the word of Jesus, um, Peter was able to step out on the water, and when he stepped out at the word, he walked on the water. He walked on the water. Why? Well, uh, I believe he looked to Jesus to receive and to what he said. He looked to Jesus. He had maybe a steady, constant, absorbing gaze to Jesus. But you notice when he left that gaze drift to the wind and the waves and the sea, which were not flat and calm, but were, uh, you know, King James says boisterous. In other words, there was a lot going on. There were big waves. And so I kind of imagine, I wonder, you know, if he's looking at Jesus and every once in a while the waves would go between him and the Lord because uh, the waves are so big and so um, tall and the wind is so strong that all of a sudden those circumstances he found himself in the midst of. While in the physical presence of Jesus, while having the power of God so touchable and so real that it caused him to walk on physical water. In other words, the power of God in his life when he looked to Jesus caused him to dominate over gravity's power to pull him into the water. Hallelujah. In a stormy circumstance, in a stormy situation, he walked on the water as long as he looked to Jesus. And so I love that example, lifting up Jesus, that we look to him with a steady, uh, absorbing, constant, attentive gaze. Like we're just looking at him. Again, it reminds me of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. My son, attend to my words. In other words, um, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of where? Your heart. There can be a lot of other things going on in your head. But if you keep his word in the midst of your heart and you attend to the things of your heart, uh, you'll find that his word gains more and more place in your head. Uh, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, he's speaking that to Christians, right? You say, well, wait a minute, I thought I was a new creature in Christ. Well, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, you have been made new on the inside, someone that never existed before, and that new creature that you are uh, doesn't know sin, doesn't know sickness, doesn't know disease, but you say, well, well yeah, but uh, that happened to me, but, but I'm still living the same way. Well, behold who you are. You have to look and see who you are, and then you possess it. Like you look at the land, the Israelites looked at the land that was given to them, uh, and they went in, and the Lord said, every place the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours. And so you have to say, you know what? No, this belongs to me. You're not taking this from me, devil. You're not taking this from me, world. You're not taking my time. You're not taking my thoughts. You're not taking my money. You're certainly not taking my children, my wife. You know, if you're a woman married to a husband, your husband, you know, um, you don't let these uh, things just slip out of your hand. Uh, you have authority. Uh, you're in charge under Christ. Uh, and so you don't have to just be pushed around by the devil. Amen. All right. So, uh, number one, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Um, for the things that are seen are temporary uh, or subject to change. Uh, number two, uh, how do we do that? The unseen. Well, we look with the eye of faith. We're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
We look to Jesus uh, up on the cross. You know, because why? Well, you know, on the cross it represents that's where He took your sin. That's where He took your sickness. That's where He took your poverty. That all happened to Him uh, on the cross. Uh, he became sin for us. He, he that never sinned and never knew sin. Never had experienced sin personally, but He took your sin and my sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That we be made right with God. So He didn't just do it for His own health. It wasn't a very healthy thing to do. He did it for you and for me so that we didn't have to live under the power of sin so that Satan could no longer dominate us with the power of sin. So Satan's grip on us had to be released. He destroyed the power of the grip of Satan on us. He took it away from him. Uh, the Bible actually says that he went to hell itself and took away the keys of death and hell. In other words, Satan wanted to lock you up Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the one that's tormenting your mind. He is the one that is trying to steal from you and does steal from you. He's the one that makes you sick. He's the one that uh, ruins relationships. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that this life is an uh, abundant life. It's a never-ending life. It's a life that, uh, you know, th things of this life you even see in this life Eventually, um, you know, if Jesus doesn't return and we're changed in the twinkling of an eye before, as He returns, well, then uh, this earthly flesh, this earthly, uh, Paul called it in King James, tabernacle, I'm going to put this off. In other words, this body's going to die. Well, we're talking about a life that comes from God that lasts forever. And when you're recreated in Christ Jesus, this life comes to live on the inside of you right then at that moment. And it becomes a source that is beyond the temporary world that you see and that you experience. And it is a source that no matter what, where you're at, no matter what is coming against you, it is a source that has been hell tested and defeated hell itself. So there's not a plan that the devil can try to enact. There's not, uh, you know, a group or a company or ranks of uh, demons and uh, evil spirits that can come against you that have power over you when you act in the authority and the dominion that Christ Jesus Himself has given to you. And you don't have to be some expert Christian to do that. The least person in the body of Christ has just as much authority over the devil as what you might consider someone that, wow, they must really know the Lord. No, every single one of us, from the least to the greatest, from the tallest to the shortest, from the most muscular to the least muscular, uh, it's not about physical strength or power. Again, we're not looking at what, the seen realm, the natural realm, the, the temporary realm, the realm that's subject to change, but we're looking to the eternal realm, and that's where God is, and that's where Jesus is, and that is faith in the unseen. We believe God. Paul is on the ship, and the ship is breaking to pieces, and they despaired even for their very lives. In other words, they're like, we're all going to die. We're going to die. So people are giving voice to the temporary world. They're saying, look at this, we're going to die. This thing is coming upon all of us and the whole ship's going down and everybody's going to die. Right? But what happens? The man who acts in faith, the woman who acts in faith says, well, look at all this. I believe God. Therefore, wherefore, I believe God. In other words, I see what's going on, but I'm not going to act foolish and just give in to these things and let these things dominate us. God has spoken to me, and He has said that the ship's going to be lost, but all of our lives will be saved. So I believe God. I believe what He said more than what you're saying, more than the thoughts that are coming to my own mind. I believe what God said. Man, there's something about believing God. There's something about trusting God that just makes you sit up a little taller, stand, put your shoulders back, head up, and say, you know what? Bring it on, right? The life of faith is an awesome life. The life of faith is not dominated by circumstances. It is not dominated by the temporal world. It is dominated by what God has said. And if God said you can do it, if God said you're healed, if God said that you are a surrounded like a shield on every side by Him and His angels, angels, then you are. 
He is your protector. If He said, I will protect you, I will lead you, I will guide you, then He will do it. Well, you say, but it doesn't feel like it. Well, uh, check up on what you've been thinking and what you've been saying. Right? So, you ought to say, you ought to change what you're saying if you're, saying, uh, if you're not saying that. You, instead of saying what the others on the ship said, man, we're going down, it's not going to work. Say, you know what? Every time the devil tries to take me down, glory to God, he brings me up. Every time I think I don't know, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, I look to God on the inside of me, and every time he has an answer, every time he leads me, he guides me. And when he speaks to me, he speaks, and it is... Um, a message that comes encased in peace that is beyond what the world could ever offer. It is, He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when He comes into a situation, when He speaks into your situation, there is peace that calms the raging sea, that calms the raging storm. Actually, I was reading uh, this morning, and I uh, didn't intend to use it for this morning, but I was reading about Jesus. Um, asleep in the ship and it said uh, that uh, I was reading the translations and it said like the waves of the sea covered the ship like you put some in the ground and you bury it. Like in other words, it's not just like waves are coming against the ship and the ship's like this. No, the waves are coming over the ship. And uh, Jesus, they wake Jesus up. In the midst of this, he's sleeping through the storm. And the disciples are like, oh, Lord, oh, we're going to die. We are scared. And he said, oh, you of little faith. In other words, you're just trusting a little bit. Why don't you trust a lot, right? And he said, what did he do? He got up and he said, peace be still. And it said, the waves became still. Right? Well, you know, if your life, if you're living your life, and you're living it without placing your trust in God, if you're living your life without trusting Him more than yourself, more than the world, then, oh, you of little faith. We have the privilege, look, look, we get to do this. We get to not rely upon our own thoughts. We get to not rely upon our, the, the strength of our own arms the strength of our own finances, but we get to believe God. And when we believe God, it takes us out of the limitations of our own stinking thinking that hasn't been renewed with the Word of God. It takes us out of the limitations of the world's thinking who gets confused and distraught about the littlest things. It takes us in, out of the realm of time and puts us into the realm of eternity. Do you know, when God speaks, He speaks from the realm outside of time. He speaks from eternity. And when He speaks from eternity, do you know He can say the shortest to you, the shortest thing to you? And when you receive what He said, that word or words that He may speak to you those words, when brought into the realm of time, can stretch days, months, or even years. When he speaks, his word is not subject to time. And think about it. He said of Jesus, this is my son. As a lamb, I've ordained him as a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. In other words, he said, I have declared him this. Uh, he is this, and He spoke that from eternity. That's why today you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, and the same power that happened on the day of resurrection, the same power that God exerted when He raised Christ from the dead, that same power, when you believe that message and you act on it, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, that is an eternal power, that is the power of God Himself, and actually it says it's like exert, the amount of strength He exerted is like moving His little finger, but yet that's the greatest release of power that that's ever happened in existence. That same power that raised Christ from the dead, not only uh, raised His body from the dead, not only brought Him back, but that's the power that defeated every sickness, every disease, and every sin. 
and every bit of the curse, that same power will show up in your life and recreate you today. Because that is not from the realm of the temporary subject to change. That's from the realm of eternal. And so the blood of Jesus, uh, His lifeblood, what sustained His very life, uh, Hebrews tells us that that blood is actually in a place called a heavenly holy of holies on an altar and that that blood is forever speaking. In other words, that blood is in the eternal realm. That blood, blood is in eternity. And when I confess Jesus as my Lord, I come in contact with the power of that eternal blood and the power of the eternal speaking. And so now when I receive that, that eternal speaking starts speaking on my behalf better things than that of Abel. That speaking, that blood speaks, Tim... You're not guilty. That blood speaks, Tim, I have removed your sins away from you. That blood speaks for you. Whatever your name is, put your name in there. That blood speaks that the blood of Jesus and the stripes of Jesus have removed and lifted off of you every sickness and every disease and every form and every manifestation and every mutation. In other words, the blood has caused the enemy and sin to lose its power. It is no longer uh, to have dominion over us, for we are not under the law, but we are under grace. And to get under grace, you simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, by faith you shall receive. You By faith you believe in grace. What is grace? It is the gift of God, the goodness of God. Praise God. You believe in the grace of God by your faith. It connects you with all that He has, all that He is in eternal form. You get the life of God, and not only the life of God, you get the very nature of God. Imagine this. You know, I have four children on the earth, and when I, my children uh, were birthed, and I got to see them for the first time, you know, you show them to other people, what do they say? Oh, he has your nose, she, she has your eyes, they have your hair, you know, so on and so forth. Like, you know, they have uh, natural parts of my nature and my wife's nature, and even some personality things of our natures. How much more do we receive the nature of God in the real us, the core of our being, in our spirits when we are recreated in Christ Jesus? So now, this is good news. We don't have to live and be subject to our stinking thinking. We don't have to be subject to our personality quirks. We don't have to be subject to our personality insecurities that man, all people are just looking for security. They put other people down, they lie, they steal, they kill just to try to feel secure. But our security is to be found in Jesus Christ Himself. Oh, hallelujah. He's made unto us wisdom and sanctification and redemption. I slapped my leg. That's a leg slapper. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So, we want to look to Jesus, and then looking to Him, we're looking to the eternal, all right? And so, where I'm trying to get to is uh, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. So, let's turn there. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Um, praise the Lord. We, we're not stuck uh, just with what we see, uh, but we can live out of the unseen realm, and there is a source of power and there is a source of life, and there is a source of dominion that doesn't come from the natural life, but comes from the supernatural life. And if you honor and yield to and turn into and look to receive from the supernatural life, there'll be a supernatural flow of the Spirit of God uh, into your spirit and through your spirit, like rivers of living water will flow out. And that living water will not just water you, but it'll water those uh, to whom you speak those words and to whom you bring the atmosphere of the very Son of God, that that peaceful atmosphere and that atmosphere of stability and that atmosphere of health and that atmosphere of strength, it will actually pervade you and it will permeate from you and it will affect many, many people. And so we don't walk and look to the things which are seen, but we look to the things which are not seen, to the eternal. We look to the realm of God and from that realm there is a life that satisfies more deeply than anything of the natural could ever satisfy 
satisfied. And from that realm, there is a peace, a peace that passes all of the thoughts of your mind, all of the uh, machine gun bullets, thoughts that the devil would bring. And that peace that passes all understanding can be uh, your resting place. Amen. That's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Uh, well, I'm going to start over uh, with verse 23. You know, okay, Paul and Silas, uh, you know, they, they showed up, and there's this little girl that's possessed of the devil. To make a long story short, uh, people, uh, you know, uh, the devil is just stealing people, manipulating people, trying to hurt people. And so these people found this girl who was possessed, and they used her to make money. And so Paul and Silas saw this girl, and one day the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God came on Paul, because she's like, these men are servants of the Most High God who bring us, you know, word of salvation. You know, so, uh, you know, she's been influenced by the devil, but even sometimes he has to speak the truth when he comes in, in contact with uh, the power of God, right? And so all of a sudden, uh, Paul said, get, get out of her, right? And so uh, then the people that uh, basically own this girl as a slave to make money off of her, manipulating her for this, uh, they're upset because they're like, hey, how are we going to make money. You, you took our way to make money away. Right? So what happened? Well, they threw him in prison. All right. Verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes on them, uh, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. In other words, they uh, clamped them down tight. And they put them in the, not just an outer prison, they put them in the inner prison. Why? Well, they said they charged the jailer, you better keep them safely, securely, they better not be getting out. All right? So, the, the, the enemy brought this bondage against them. And verse 25, uh, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they didn't just pray, they prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. In other words, they weren't like, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can hear it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. They weren't real quiet about it. Uh, they were loud enough that the prison, that, that, that all the prisoners heard them praising the Lord. And so, um, at midnight, they prayed and sang praises. In other words, when it looked like uh, things were all shutting down. When it looked like everything's getting darker and darker and worse and worse, and in fact, not only is it dark, but they put us in the inner prison, so they locked us up. They, you could say, quarantined us <laughs> in the inner place, and they said, well, you know what? That's not enough. I'm going to tie you down in the quarantine, right? Uh, in other words, at midnight, they looked to the Lord, or they turned from their hearts to the Lord. They prayed. And, and look to receive, look to the Lord to receive, uh, look to Him like on a pole. They look like, well, look, if Jesus endured this, if Jesus took this, if Jesus took all this from me and off of me, if I look to that, that means I'm not looking to all this other stuff that the devil put on me. In fact, I see everything the devil put on me. I see it all when I look to Jesus. I see it all put on Him. And if it's put on Him, it can't be on me because He, he lifted it off of me, Matthew says. He took it off of me. And so I look to Him, and every time I look to Him on that cross, I see my sin. Every time I look to Him on that cross, I see my sickness. Every time I look to Him on that cross, I see uh, my bondage, my bands, my, my uh, what was that called? Like that I'm stuck and I'm surrounded and I can't get out my captivity. When I look to Him, I see my captivity, but I don't see it on me then. I see it on Him. And I know He took it to the grave, to hell itself, and He defeated it there. He took it away there, so it's no longer mine. He said, here, he said, Tim, you give that to me. And so you see that I have taken that. And so when I look at him on the cross, I'm seeing, hey, he took that from me. Right. And so in my head, I might say, well, uh, but I feel like this. It seems like this. It looks like this. But I look not at the temporary world. I look to the unseen and in the, uh, with the eye of faith. And with that eye of faith, I look to Jesus, the author of, Glory to God, the author of my faith, faith and the finisher of my faith. And so when I look to him, if he's the author, that means he's the one that started this thing. He's the one that gave me faith. Uh, why do you boast like you did something? He has given to every man the measure of faith. Yeah. 
He's given to every one of us the measure of faith. It is birthed of Him. So today, if you feel like I have no faith, maybe you're not a believer. You know what? As soon as you hear the gospel, faith is present and you can receive. And that faith of God comes on the inside of you. And now you are acting uh, by a faith that is beyond yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I look to him. And when I look to him, I see all of the curse that was intended for me and maybe even was on me or maybe even that I feel in my body or that I look and I see in my bank account yeah. or that I sense in my emotions and my mind and I say, wait a second, that does not belong in the picture of my mind. That does not belong on me. The reality is, the truth is, Jesus took all of that on himself himself took it, right? And so then I'm going to look to himself instead of looking to myself and my, like, like, so I could look at my flesh. I could say, why is that in my flesh? Why is my flesh affected that way? I could think on that. I could be like, well, how come? And I don't understand. And who was I around? And how come they didn't self-quarantine? And how come they didn't wash their hands? And how come they didn't <clears throat> cough right? And, you know, you know, I like the when, when all this started before big quarantine came on, it was kind of funny because um, there was a lady, and I don't remember who she was, but my wife showed it to me on Facebook. And so she's doing these announcements at this podium. And she said, now you're, you're not supposed to touch your face or your mouth. You're not supposed to touch your face or your mouth. And so, and then she was, she was doing her notes. And so she went like this. She licked her thumb and she turned the page. So don't be touching, right? And uh, so it kind of gathered some steam on social media. And so, you know, she's like, uh, let me tell you what to do, but I'm going to do the opposite. And, uh, you know, of course, she didn't intend to do that. And I'm sure she's uh, uh, living the results of it now. I'm not talking sickness. I'm sure she's getting razzed a lot. Like, hey, you know, let's all follow your example, right? Um, but Jesus was not that kind of example. Jesus lived the perfect life. He was what he said. Right? He didn't say one thing and do another. Uh, he did what he said. And so I look and I see like, you know, you, you, you have these thoughts, these feelings, these emotions that, that the devil, see they're yours, but the devil wants to use them to uh, capture you. Right. And so uh, you give into those things. It can be like a lust of the flesh that you want to think like, well, uh, what if the world ends or what if I don't have money or what if I don't have a job or uh, I don't know any, any number of the thoughts that can come your way. Well, you start yielding to that and then the devil will actually come in and uh, magnify those and give you more. <laughs> It'll be like, okay, here's some more thoughts. No, but we don't look uh, to the seen realm, the natural realm. We look to the unseen where God is at and we see on Jesus the sins, the pattern of sin, pattern of sin. In other words, iniquities, the bent, the 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 inheritance of sin. The uh, what do they call that? That that stuff like uh, people call it generational curse or whatever you want to call it. We see that not on ourselves. We see that on Jesus. And then when we see it on Jesus, we understand. Wait a second. When He took that to the cross, He took it to the grave. And when He took it to gr the grave, He took it to hell. In other words. The consequence for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, the life and nature of God through Christ Jesus. And so what happened is he took that and he took it to hell and in hell he defeated it. Not only the consequence in the natural here realm in the life that causes death to relationships, death to your productivity, death to your finance, death to your physical body, but he said, you know what? I'm not just taking that. Some people don't even know he took that from the natural realm, right? But he said, I'm taking it even in eternity, in hell itself. I'm taking that power away from you. I'm taking that power, excuse me, away from the devil, that power that the devil directed towards you. I'm taking it off of you. I'm releasing you from the dominion of those things. In other words, I'm taking away from you the power of those things over you. Those things no longer shall have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. 
Hallelujah. In other words, you're not under a place where what you do makes the difference between heaven and hell. You're under a place where what Jesus has done and who he is has delivered you from the power of hell and sin and sickness and disease, basically sin in every form. You've been delivered from darkness, translated to light. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness at midnight, and you've been translated to the kingdom of his very son, his dear son. And so at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, but what did they do? They sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them. How can you sing praises to God if you don't understand who he is and what he has done? They counted him faithful who promised. They said, my God is faithful. He has delivered and he will deliver. And so they began to sing praises to God. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and began to praise and God moved in their life. And the move of God in their life did not just affect them and the bondage that they had and the dominion that the devil had over them. Them, the fact that they were uh, captured, uh, but the captivity, the Lord turned their captivity, and in turning their captivity, He turned the captivity of all the other prisoners in the prison, and so they were all set free. And so, what happened when they began to praise after they prayed, the gates opened up. In other words, they were set free from the quarantine, right? They were set free to go about, right? The gates opened up and the bands were loosed. So, you might think, well, I've got like this, um, uh, this, I'm captive to this type of thinking, or I'm captive at this place of business. They've, 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 they've captivated me because I have this amount of bills, and I only make this amount of money, I only have this amount of skill, and so you might feel captive even in your job. Right? But Jesus, uh, that captivity has been turned. You pray and begin to sing praises, and the gates will open up. In other words, the doorways will open up. The opportunities will open up. And everyone's bands were loose. Sometimes it's a personal thing. Sometimes it's only in your personal life. Maybe no one else knows about this, but it's so close to you, so personal, that it's right here on your legs, on your arms, wherever it's at, on your mind. It is so personal. But when you begin to, when you pray and then begin to pray, the gates open up and the bands fall off by the power of God, not by your own effort, not because you have done everything perfect and right and because you're so amazing. No, because God loves you so much while you were doing the worst things you can think of, you can recall Christ died for you. And he died for you, meaning that you wouldn't have to take that life of death, but you would take his life of life, that you would receive the life that he has that sustains him, that that same life would, you would open yourself to that life and allow that life to come on the inside of you and make you brand new, that you would allow that life to change the way you think, that you would allow that life to well up on the inside of you so much that you act different. That's called faith. Hallelujah. That you don't just act the way you used to act and think the way you used to think, but you're like, I have had a, an encounter with God. And when he came to me and he showed up at my house, he changed everything. And yeah, you may see old habits. You may see old things. But those are all temporary. Those are all subject to change because I'm not looking at those and so becoming those. I am looking to the author of my faith, Jesus Christ. I am looking to the finisher of my faith, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. So as I look at him, I am changed like looking into a mirror. I'm changed day after day, day after day, even as by the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord can change any situation. And when the glory of the Lord shows up in your situation, it makes a tremendous difference. The glory of the Lord um, actually uh, represents wealth. It represents numbers. It represents commerce. It represents power. It represents wisdom. It represents promotion. It represents superiority. It represents dignity. Some people need to be a little more dignified. Well, the glory of the Lord will come up and dignity will come upon you. It represents authority. It represents nobility. It represents 
represents splendor, it represents valor, it represents magnificence, and it represents extraordinary privileges and advantages. So when you begin to praise, the glory of the Lord shows up, and you get ex extraordinary privileges and advantages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It lifts you from the realm of the temporal to the realm of the eternal, where God dwells and lives, and that is our home, and we are to live from that place. And when we live from that place, you have a source of life that just makes you smile. T.L. Osborne said, you know, he was talking to F.F. Uh, uh, Bosworth, a wonderful uh, men of God, uh, wonderful generals in the faith, so to speak, you could say. And he was talking to him, and he said, how you doing, Brother Bosworth? And Brother Bosworth said, oh, I'm wonderful. How are you, Brother Osborne? He said, he said, oh, he's like, I'm pretty good. I just keep, ha keep having to rub my grinning muscles at night because I'm so thankful for what God has done and what he has made us to be and that we get to carry this message to the world. It's good news that we carry and that we are um, um, partakers of, that we are good news people and we are gospel people, and we get to bring that good news and that gospel all around the world. Hallelujah. You know, the, now, now, now let, let me take you just one little step further. Uh, in this dictionary where I got all these uh, wealth, numbers, commerce, all the, this definition, it's a, um, uh, I didn't write down the reference anyhow. Um, in this dictionary, it also said this. Now, you got to listen. you got to listen close. It said the phrase, give glory to God. Okay, where am I going? Where I'm going is I want you to be able to pray and praise like Paul and Silas prayed and praised, and it changed the whole situation, opened the gates, dropped the things off. But, I, I, but many times uh, people are like, well, what do I say? How do I praise? I'm giving you some stuff right now. I'm giving you some ammunition that you can put in your praise gun and shoot it up. Right? All right. Uh, the phrase, give glory to God, is a Hebrew idiom meaning confess your sins. <laughs> huh. Listen to that. The words of the Jews uh, to the blind man said, they said, give God praise, are, <clears throat> and, and they're adjuring them to confess, give God glory by speaking the truth. What does that mean? Well, we're talking about Jesus on the cross, right? I, I look and I saw my sins on him. I look in and saw, saw my iniquities on him, my, my, my proclivity to sin, like my bent to sin, the pattern of, of sin in the flesh, right? And my disease on him and my poverty on him, my lack on him, my mental instability on him, my emotional roller coaster on him, right? And so I look and I see it on him. Well, the phrase means uh, confess your sins or give glory to God by speaking the truth. In other words, it's not what you have done. It's not about you, but it's about him. Look what he has done. Look who he is. Without him, I am nothing. Right? And so I, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when you come and you repent of your sins, if you've never been born again and you turn to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you are declaring, I don't want to live my own life anymore. I'm not going to do this in my own strength anymore. I am turning to Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. I am turning from imperfection to perfection. I am turning from sin to uh, rightness and favor and righteousness and strength. I am turning from darkness and I am turning to light. I am turning from myself to Jesus. I'm no longer looking to me. It's not about me. It's not about what I could produce. It's not about what I could do. It's about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And so I look to him. And so that is giving glory to God. You're not saying like, oh, you know what? Let me just, I'm a pastor. So I say, let me just tell you everything the Lord has shown to me. Let me reveal everything the Lord has revealed to me. Right? No, no, you don't have anything uh, that you weren't given. It's not, like, like Paul said, why would you be like, hey, look at me, as if you came up with it yourself? No, because it all came from Him. And so we look to Him, and we give Him glory, and we give Him praise. All right, now, to finish out, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I understand I'm preaching really fast. We probably have like four messages here, but uh, I'm doing the best uh, that I can right now. So Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I say it enough times, I'll eventually find it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
by the will of God. In other words, Paul didn't decide this. God willed it to be so. To the saints that are Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God the Father uh, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places or heavenly things in Christ Jesus, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. He chose you in Him before the world was formed. He chose you. He was thinking about you. Like He chose you. Like you go and you're like, you know, you pick out a dog, a bunch of puppies, and you're like, which one are you going to choose? He chose you. He chose me. He chose us before the world was formed that we should be what? Holy and without blame before Him in love. How could that happen? How could that happen? You know what you've done? I know some things you've done. <laughs> Your family definitely knows what you've done. How could that happen? Through Jesus Christ. He said, I saw you in that condition, and I said, I chose you. I am not satisfied with you living in that. That does not please me for you to have to live in that condition. I, I, I'm not going to allow that. Before this even happened, before the world was formed, before you came on the scene, I knew man's weakness. I knew man and I loved man and I chose man. Mm -hmm. And I made a way that mankind could live free from the dominion of that lying, stealing, killing, cheating devil. Mm -hmm. And that man could live free from the power of the desires of the flesh mm -hmm. to take you out of the blessing of God. Yeah. How? We look not at the seen, but at the unseen. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. He chose us that we should be holy and without blame. When you look to Jesus... All of your sins as filthy rags are washed whiter than snow. You become holy and without blame. All of the blame that was due to you was put on Jesus. If you look and you see that, this will change your life forever. This will change how you come to God. This will change how you talk to people. Shame does not belong on you. Shame has been removed from you by the power of the blood of Jesus. You have been washed clean by the blood of God's own Son. He has set you free and, and delivered you from all the power of darkness. I want everyone right now to, to bow your heads and to pray, we're going to look to the Lord. Father, we come to you in the thank you that you're our Father. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you took us from darkness and put us in your family and in your kingdom. And then this family and this kingdom is light and love and peace and stability. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you're watching right now, and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You have to make Him your Lord. It's not automatic. God, yes, God loves you. Yes, everything I said is true concerning what the Word said, that He died for you. He paid the price for you. But that, you know, sometimes I think we believe because God is God and all-powerful that He will do it all automatically. Well, He has already, He's already receive the sacrifice of his son. Jesus has already given his life. It is already available for us. But if you don't receive Jesus personally as a decision from your own heart, the way you believe, your believer's not in your head, you believe from your heart. It's the same place that you, you commit 
uh, to your husband or your wife. It's the same place that you say, please forgive me if you're doing forgiveness right. You, you do it from your heart. With the heart, we believe, right? And so in your heart, if you believe what I said about Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, He took away from you all of that, and He rose again, that God brought Him from the dead, raised Him from the dead, so you could be made right. The Bible says for our justification. That just means so that you could, all those things wouldn't be counted to you anymore, but it would be counted as everything Jesus did, that you did those things. It's unbelievable to the natural mind. But it's a joy and a rejoicing to the eternal spirit. All right. And so if you believe that, that God raised Jesus from the dead for you, and you confess Jesus as your Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. And in that moment, God himself, by his spirit, comes to live on the inside of you. And you become in union with God, and your entire life will change from the inside out. So if you want to pray that prayer, if you've never prayed that, uh, or you just, you've been away from the Lord, you feel like you want to get back and you just want to pray that again, I want you to pray this prayer with me, believing from your heart and speaking it from your mouth. In other words, I'm serious about this. I'm not just playing around. This is not just some game, but I, I, I really believe this in my heart and I'm going to say it now. And I'm, in other words, I'm going to enact it now. Somebody said, well, what, what power does that have? Well, you know, somebody said, don't say that, don't say that, don't say those words. You're going to do that. No, don't say that, don't say that. Well, words really have power. And your words have power when you believe what you say. So let's, let's, let's say this together. I'm going to say it and you just repeat after me. Say, oh God, oh God. I, come I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross and took my sins with him. That he took them off of me. So that I could live in your family. I believe you then raised him from the dead. And I take your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Father God. That I, am now your child. that I am now your child. I have come into your family. That you are my father. And Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, today's your birthday. Happy birthday. And, you know, you, you have started a whole new life. You, now you celebrate two birthdays. Tell your friends, your spouses, you know what? I have two birthdays now. I'm expecting twice as many presents, right? Because uh, this is the most significant or one of the most significant. God brought you on the scene, and now you have been recreated in Him, in His Son, Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you prayed that prayer with us, please uh, don't, don't just try to live the Christian life alone. I want to invite you to find a good uh, Bible-believing uh, church that yields to the Holy Spirit in your area. If you're in our area, um, or even if you're not, uh, please send us an email. Um, the email address is info, I-N-F-O, at anchordc.org.